you are on the journey of business. An entrepreneur and innovator who spent a lifetime of advising from behind the scenes, building businesses through word of mouth and referrals. Now Mike Wolf is ready to share these strategies and business outlook with you. You're here. You're ready for the journey of business with Mike Wolf. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the journey of business. I am Mike Wolf. My guest today is changing the world of pediatric medicine is the COO of the Children's Health Foundation. Welcome, Jeremiah Lane, to the show. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. For sure, bro. So we've known each other for well over 20 years. We worked together on a few of my companies. Can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, like uh, Mike said, my name is Jeremiah Lane. Um, 31 years old. Got a, a great family, wife and uh, two kids. I adore. Um, when I'm not working, you can find me with them for sure. Yeah, I uh, went to Oklahoma State University, graduated with a degree in uh, sports media with an emphasis on broadcast uh, communications and, you know, love philanthropy, love giving back to my community and uh, doing all that I can. That's what's up, man. Yeah, you know, so I really want to touch on our time working together, what the experiences were like, what you took away from that, how that's impacted where you are now, or if it has. Let's talk about that. Like, let's break that down a little bit, because you helped me on a couple of different companies that I'm a part of, or one of which I've sold since then. But what were those experiences like? Good, bad? You know, let's just throw it out there. Here's the thing. I learned a lot. I was young. I had just got married and uh, I left a, a job. And that was stable to really kind of go all in, right? We wanted to start a business. And thankfully, we had another, yeah. we had this, the sales rep company um, where we had some stable income, but we really wanted to start a business and grow it. And we took a, a leap of faith and went all in and spent two years with you, learned a lot about sales and a lot about customer service, and the power of kind of giving back to the customer instead of thinking about yourself and self-service. It was more like customer-based service, right? Right. It was a lot of fun traveling, you know, traveling six different states and seeing over 3,000 customers. And then on the other side, when we weren't doing sales rep stuff, we were trying to create this brand and, and market it yeah. and get people to try all these products. And, you know, it, it was interesting because I never really thought about like what it took to launch a product. And it's not like we're freaking Mark Cuban and these these billionaires yeah, that have that have the sure. money to do it and the backing to do it and already have this exposure. It was like grassroots, like we were going to trade shows and getting these influencers right. that we thought were influencers yeah. to try this product. It, it, sure. it, dude, it was like, you know, Davis Family Outdoors. <laughs> you remember, you know. Yeah. And so it was interesting and I learned a lot because, you know, in those two years I learned a lot about myself. It taught me how to budget. It taught me how to really, you got to self-motivate because it's not like you had something set in stone. Like you're going to show up right. today and you're going to do this. It was like, yo, you're going to show up today and we're, we're now doing this. And it was, yeah. it, it taught me how to be flexible and think outside the box. But truly like you taught me a lot of things where, yeah, I didn't learn in college, right? It, I didn't go to college for marketing or I didn't go to college to, to go and be in sales. I just had this sports media design background and I knew how to kind of market things, but I didn't know like all the, the skews and the margins and, and what we were paying for yeah. a product versus what we were going to charge people for product. And so that sure. was interesting, right, man? And and so I learned a lot. I mean, I could go on and on for, for days on how much I learned yeah. for those two years. Well, and, you know, I think we both kind of were drinking from a fire hose of building this brand, which became kind of wildly successful very quickly Yep, and got a tremendous amount of attention media wise. I mean, some of the stuff we were involved in, the military wanted to be a part of, the FBI wanted to be a part of, you know, because what we were doing was really really game changing stuff Yep. where I think it became a little tricky. And this is, I mean, this is a lesson for anybody trying to build a brand. You know, we didn't control a hundred percent of the narrative, right. Of, of, of what we were involved in, because when you, when you're doing something like we were doing, building this brand, you know, you're having to count on so many other people 
in the cog, right? And <laughs> in, yep. in, the, in the wheel that, that we're, we didn't realize at the time, but we're so definitive in our success or failure of being able to deliver a, a good quality product at a reasonable price point and be able to do the things that are necessary. And I think that was the hard part for us is, you know, I was already successful in my own right, building my own agency, right? Yep. So luckily, like you said, we I, we had this financial backing from that. You know, I, I took on a couple of investors. That was a, an interesting experience that they ended up, you know, pulling out of based on their own circumstances, had nothing to do with the business. Right. It created this like weird financial stuff. So, you know, I, I think the thing is with you and I is like, we were we were growing up in a new thing together yep. even though i'm you know 14 years older than you it, but it was it was an experience that i thought was good and bad yep. to be a part of you had courtside seats to something that had never really happened to me before there was a lot of things that we experienced together good teaching moments too for entrepreneurs for business leaders for people you know that are trying to get into something I think as entrepreneurs and business leaders, sometimes we get into a spot where things may not be going well, it's not going successful, and we don't know who to lean into. We kind yeah. of find ourselves isolated, don't really want to talk to those people close to you because one, you could be afraid that they, they're going to think you're a failure or you think that you know they're going to not be able to forgive you for putting them in a certain situation, right? Like you did this with a family, right? So like yeah. you said, we had investors and stuff like that. It's like, your family had investors. It wasn't just you. <laughs> and so it's hard to share that with those close to you and, and also right. like do life. Right. And, and so for me, it was a learning experience to learn like during that time, probably should have tried to find people to lean on and, and be close to. Right. Like we just right. struggled. We just did it on our own. And it was like times where right. I wasn't picking up the phone when you were calling me and you weren't picking up the phone when I was calling you. We were kind of like, yeah, you know, it, it, but that, and that's honesty, but looking back on it, you know, it, it taught me that there's going to be times that we fail. And when we do, we got to reach out to those people because you're not the first one to take on investors. You're not the yeah. first person to be in this spot. And yeah. when we isolate ourselves, we, we don't really reach out to the potential people that could have pulled us out gave us great advice and things like that. So it was, it, it was really a teaching moment. But when I, when we talk about this brand that we were building and how fast it exploded, it was like, we had people out of the woodworks reaching out to us. Right. Right. Yeah. We created something incredible. Right. I mean, like yeah, we, we I mean, really literally marketed it and, and really put good quality stuff out there. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this without saying it, but you know, I wish we would have controlled more of the portion because if we did, it would have become wildly much bigger than it was. Look, we came from you, you cut your background was in the industry, right? And it's through HAC. Sure. And through that, you had a relationship with someone that a manufacturer that you knew could build yeah. this product. Right. Where we made the mistake was we didn't do it ourselves and we didn't private label yeah. it and we didn't have the backing and you know we didn't really make it exclusive we had someone holding the cherry over our heads at all times right you know and, and you can expand on that i mean it really held us back yeah i think a lot of it was you know i represented a company on the sales and marketing end of side that was a chemical company created this brand he you know they they wanted to take this formulation of something that they had worked on uh, give us exclusivity over it within the United States and internationally. Uh, we ended up launching that product, named it out, and uh, it became one of the quickest gun oil companies. It, it, it really gained traction in the weapons industry, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yep. It created wild amounts of market share quickly, got picked up by people who were doing a lot of different things which then parlayed into law enforcement, then parlayed into military, then parlayed into all of these things. I mean, really quickly. I mean, really quickly at really the end quickly. of the day, like yep. magazines. I mean, you know, we were, we were getting a lot of exposure and it was, and it was incredible. My problem is, is that, you know, we weren't prepared for that. No. I wasn't, maybe I shouldn't even put that on you. We, were prepared for it. I was not as prepared as I probably could have been. Hindsight being twenty twenty, of course. Right. I think where it becomes tricky, I, I'm a numbers guy. 
I was worried about margin. I'm worried about making money. I don't want to, you know, there's no need to be in business to lose money. Yep. You know, and, and that deal was stressful, as you mentioned, for for your family, for my family, not because we didn't have money, you know, like we, we were good. It was just, you know, we're burning candles at both ends. I'm trying to run a successful agency as well as trying to, you know, build a brand. It, it was definitely a tough season. There's no question about it. And, you know, you know, I, I feel like God hit me with a quick exit on that, on that project because, or hit, hit us both with that. Yeah. And, and it was because basically I, I didn't want to be in business with somebody that I wasn't comfortable with, meaning the manufacturer and that, like you said, dangled kind of a cherry or a carrot or whatever you want to call it over our heads. But, you know, when somebody controls the narrative on what you're trying to build, it becomes really, really problematic. Yeah. I mean, there were times that we needed product and we couldn't get it. And we've already paid for it. And we already paid for it. So it was, yeah. a, you know, it was like, that was an issue. <laughs> and and right. so here we are trying to make money and we had a manufacturing issue. And so it became problematic for us. The The biggest lesson that I think I learned from that was not to overpromise and underdeliver. Right. Honestly, like, you know, I mean, the value was there. The quality was there. Uh, you know, we, we had gained this notoriety very quickly in that trade. And and next thing we know, it's like, we couldn't supply the demand Yep. and we had, we had sold the dream yep. to people. They bought in, they were all in companies, big, much bigger companies than you and I've ever been involved with. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And then you can't deliver. And then, you know, you, you look like clowns Man. and you know, you, you, you really only get one shot. Man, look, that's so interesting because we talk about that from that perspective. Now, let me give it to you from a, like, a charitable aspect, right? Okay. So for me, going out and raising money, yeah. I'm selling the mission to, to an individual or a donor. So if I go out to yeah. that donor and say, hey, look, I need you to you know, think about maybe giving a $50,000 gift to pediatric cancer. And this is what mm -hmm. we're trying to do. This is how your money will help. And I yeah. go out and let's say we raise a million dollars and our goal at the end of the day is to recruit a, a new endowed chair or, or to bring in a radio, an additional radiologist or, um, you know, sure. some support, right? At the end of the day, if that money's still sitting there in two years and I haven't done what I told them I was going to do, right? I've lost that donor. One, they can right. ask for their money back or two, they're not going to give again because they don't believe we're using the money in their attempt that they, they intended for it to happen. Right. And, and so basically I, I over promised and then didn't deliver. Sure. And so it was really interesting when you talk about it in that process, that, that aspect is something else I learned, right? Like customer stewardship is a lot like donor stewardship. When we talk about what all did I learn? Like that was a huge piece coming into yeah. the nonprofit and dealing with donors is like, customer experience needs to relate to donor experience because that's what we're trying yeah. to do. It's all about the consumer. For, sure. For me, it's all about the donor. Right. And, and it's hard to be on the show and not talk and be transparent because I only know one way to be. Everybody knows I'm, I'm all in. I don't, I don't really sugarcoat things. I'm, I'm very transparent about the way that I do things. Our experience in me building that brand cost me good six figure money. And, and, and it wasn't a great experience. Luckily it was just me that lost money in that deal pretty much. And it, it was eye opening, humbling for sure, because I had been at the top of my game with TradeLink, no question doing, you know, eight, $10 million a year in sales at that time. And then, so, so it was humbling, but I, I thought that the cool part about it was, man, like it was fun when we were in it, Yep, you know? Like, yeah. I, I mean, and, and maybe may, I can't speak for you on that, but for me, I loved building it. I loved doing whatever it took. And then when we exited out of that, I was also good with it. You know, yeah. like it, I, it was definitely a transitional moment for me of going, okay, this is definitely what God had for me to be humbled because I needed that in my life at that time. No question. Yeah. yeah. And also I do think that it did teach me a handful of lessons as as an entrepreneur and i believe it also catapulted you and i don't want to speak for you on that but i think it catapulted you into where god had you yeah if that makes sense yeah i mean 
really whenever we exited, I had a, an opportunity to come back to Children's Health Foundation. And, and look, I took the lowest, I took the lowest job here, really. I mean, right. it was the lowest paying job just to get back. And like, you know, there was a lot of things that just parlayed into it. It wasn't just the business fading out. I mean, like Charity and I found out that we were about to have a kid and, and yeah, get, being out on the road, it just didn't make sense for the family. And so there were some different things that played into it. And right. I took the lowest job here. I uh, started out and, and got really involved. But it was the different experiences that I learned in those two years that really helped catapult me. So it was, you know, I, I learned finances. We looked at finances all the time. We were like, man, these are the numbers, yeah. everything like that. And so it kind of gave me an accounting background and, and to be able to come in and then sales experience. It was like, you know, how you go out on the road and you sell products to people and things like that. And it's, you know, cold calling. And I mean, dude, I call people, I mean, our customers, they didn't even know who I was. And I was like, you know, okay. here's my name. I'm the new rep. Yeah. This is who you're going to be working yeah. with. I know you've never met me, but like, you know, sure. let's go talk. And, and so through those experiences, I was able to come in here and really kind of excel. I mean, be able right. to be put in a position to move in different aspects. So I went from a special or a dance marathon coordinator to more of a communications role and then communications and special events, then into communications officer, then into director of communications, then assistant director, and now chief operating officer. That happened right. within like five years. And so I'm like, I'm 31, chief operating officer of a nonprofit. Very yeah. blessed, humbled, very blessed. But I cannot say that I wouldn't be here to where I am today with the experiences that I didn't learn in those two years. But it was needed. I think me leaving and our transition out was needed, one, to really get you to where you are now. I think even though we were getting out of the business that we built and, and we had adrenaline and rush within that, I think we became comfortable with the sales business that we were, we were repping. Like we became comfortable in that and all yeah. of our focus had shifted and it was like, now we were kind of neglecting this business that was really right. the money driver. Right. Sure. Yeah. And so in that time I kind of learned like we should never neglected that. Right. And yes, we needed to pour all of our stuff, but like that was our true, that's what, that's the one baby we should have been just, on. And you know what's crazy about that? Like you think about it, how do you neglect a business that's doing eight to ten million in sales? Dude. You know, like think hindsight. And, and what could we have done if we weren't like really? And I don't want to say neglecting, but like yeah. we weren't driving Focus. it to the ca capacity of that we were driving the other one that we were losing well, money on. <laughs> that that's that's the crazy part about it. And and you know, like I think about that because you do say what kind of came from that. You know, once I got out of that experience i was so hungry to prove myself at that point because i felt like i had kind of wet the bed on that exit with my deal and and you know so when when i really dove headfirst into sales my sales went from eight to 12 million right and then they went from 12 to 15 million right you know and and which is great i mean it's not a brag moment it's just like i had to refocus my energy on something that made sense and that's what I had built my whole career on, right? Was value, and and I and I will tell you, I think a lot of that pivoted for me in that moment. Like I've always been value driven, you know this, but the end user and consumer value driven. But but it made me light a fuse internally of going. There's no way I'm going to go out like this, you know. And 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 it did. It, it lit a fuse for me. But I won't. I won't lie. You know. I mean, there was dark days, struggle days, frustrating days you know, you, you lose that kind of money in business and, and it bleeds into your family and, you know, my wife and, and my kids and, you know, like you just walk in a weird season, man. And, and it's such a, it was a, it was a stretching season for sure. You know, the more I've dove headfirst into God and, and, and really counted onto that situation and leaned into friends who were entrepreneurs and, and other business owners. And it, it literally, it stretched me to a point where I was like, do I even really want to do this? Cause you know, I get job offers all the time to go run companies, you know, why, why would I not do that? you know, it's like, man, they're offering you fat money over here, but you know, <laughs> it, 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 be, it became hard for me, you know, this, and 
hindsight is always 2020 for me and I don't have any regrets. I, I wish I had regrets because I, I mean, it taught me, it taught me some things that now I want to pass on to other people. Yeah. I mean, now you have been through that experience. Now you have this platform yeah. where you're bringing on other entrepreneurs, other business leaders, or uh, people that are just trying to look for like business consulting or um, yeah. kind of some coaching, right? Now right. you have the opportunity to share those experiences. And it's a lot yeah. of experience. What we're going to see is like a lot of those experiences people have shared, like they've gone through the same thing. When they launch right. a product, it may not be successful. They lose thousands of dollars, uh, maybe even six figures. Yeah. And, and what did they do during that time? Right. And, and I think right. it's really cool that now when you when you're hosting this podcast and you bring on different people to be able to share those experiences, you now not knowing then may yeah. have had these people in your life all along that were that were experiencing the same thing you had experienced right you just didn't want to reach out because you didn't it felt uncomfortable well and, does that and, make sense and you didn't yeah man you're listen you're spot on and and i think that that's the hard part nobody wants to share their mess that's what i learned in that experience and the more I've gotten to really get into networks and groups and all of these people of huge business owners, people that are wildly successful, they tell me their story of crying under their desk, you know, when they're, when they're in the weeds and when they're losing stuff and, you know, their family's on the line and, and their money's on the line. And, you know, they're, they're, they're really impactful stories. They're game changing stories. And and I think the whole purpose of this show was to talk about not just people who are winning, yep. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, that's the journey, man, because the journey for me has not been always easy. It hasn't been great, whether it's from start to finish or, or wherever we are today. It's such a difficult thing to really try and explain to people unless you can hear people's testimony in their story. Yep. So, yeah. but yep. yeah, man, well, listen. I'm grateful. You know this. We talk about it a little bit. You know, let's let's catapult forward a little bit. Talk about the foundation a little. So, as the COO of a foundation that's really killing it in a great way, what type of outside the box? You know, you talked about that a little bit earlier, and, and you know, just maybe briefly revisit that. Do you deploy to get people to support a cause that that they care about? You know, pediatric cancer and and, and these incredible things that you guys are involved in with 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 kids and stuff like. What type of things do you need to deploy in that area? So the most important thing for me and our team is storytelling. We have to be really good at telling stories because the most impactful thing that you can do is tell a story of a kid who's been treated at the hospital, maybe didn't make it or someone that has succeeded and overcome their yeah. illness. But what we want to do is be able to connect donors to that child and those stories. So really the most important thing is storytelling. Second thing is uh, donor stewardship. And we kind of hit on that is, you know, when you have a donor, the stewardship looks different in, in many different ways, right? right? So if I have a donor, I want to steward that donor and let them know how they're making a difference and maybe see what kind of impact they want to make, what kind of legacy do they want to leave? And so for me, donor stewardship is a little bit different. Like I want to put the, I want to put my donor on a roadmap and right. I, and, and maybe I, and that donor kind of dictate what that road looks like. But when I connect with a donor and I get a gift, okay, how long is it going to take me or how long should it take me to write a thank you note? Is that thank you note yeah. a handwritten card? Is that, is right. that just an automated letter? And then, yeah, they haven't given in three months. All right. So maybe they're just a one-time giver, just an annual sure. giver. That's fine. But do they have the opportunity to give monthly after that big gift? And so we have to put them on a roadmap. And we kind of look at this as like, you know, I learned it from the business side with you. It's like, okay, we just sold a ton of copper two to those people. Sure. But they may not have to buy again in like three months. Okay. Yeah. But when we get a really good multiplier or it's yeah. really hot in Houston or in Texas. Sure. Right. I'm not, I'm not waiting six months to reach out to them. They're going right. to receive another, you know, they're going to receive another contact and say, hey, look, I realize it's hot there. ACs are breaking. We're putting in yeah. multi multi units, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and so it's really important for us to be able to put them on a roadmap and then them be able to navigate that with us. So inviting them to different things, different events, trying to let them know all the different ways they can give. 
and man, it is yeah. so interesting, right? Like we talk about strategies and ways that, that we kind of get donors. For me, it was interesting from a marketing or I guess from a business side, like a lot of these donors, they may own businesses. So don't make a personal donation or you have the opportunity to make a personal donation, but your business can make a donation. And then it's like a tax write off from a marketing yeah. standpoint. And so it's like, how do you go and tell these corporations like why you should make an impact, how you should make an impact. And then also that like, you kind of have a corporate responsibility with that. You know, like sure. people nowadays, like we are now into our culture has changed so much and society has changed so much that a lot of people and especially the Gen Z, you know, young millennials, if your corporation or business isn't giving back, you're not getting the support from those young, those young generations. Right. Just not, you're missing not. it. You're, you're missing yeah. the boat. Like I believe that's why 100% why simple modern Oklahoma based company who's giving their product away basically for free in many different ways to like local schools. So that way kids have drinks to, or bottles to be able to drink water because kids can't afford to bring in their own bottle of water to school. Sure. I think that's why they're blowing up. Like they're yeah. telling a story of being able to give back to their community and young people like that for where, you know, like you got to strategize on an older group, like your older donors, they could care less about that. To them, right. it's going to be, what's the legacy? How are you making an impact? What's the bottom line of how much money you're spending towards the program instead of administration? And so it's, right. a, it's a little bit different, right? Like I've got to break down into donor roadmaps, stewardship. We talked about storytelling, but now it's like donor segmentation. And so right. like I need to segment all my different donors in different segments and I know how to reach them in different ways. So, I mean, it's really interesting. It's more of a forecasting play, right? Because, I mean, like you're giving them this roadmap, you're giving them that you're giving them this track record of going, okay, hey, this is what we're building for this season or, or this year within the foundation. And this is where your support will go. Yeah. And like whenever we, you know, if we have a, a specialized program, like right now we're doing pediatric cancer, we have a donor that's matching dollar per dollar up to a million dollars, right? Or $2 okay. million. So with that, we know that there are some donors, that's all they want to give to. If their donation is being matched, they're more likely or inclined to give because they know they're doubling right. their impact. But it's forecasted based on that. Now, where, where it's interesting is, and, and man, I'm going to get, I'm going to kind of get off topic, but it's really important to, to kind of hear it because as a business model, we had to change. So we did a five-year okay. strategic plan. We were on the cusp of hitting 10 million. We were growing from 5 million to 10 million over three years. Yeah. COVID hits. Like sure. we, we had all that. We hired 21 people. We were moving. We were grooving. We were doing a school program called kids care. We were literally my whole plan or the plan of the foundation was to, to get kids start at a young age within school, right? They're given dimes for diabetes, quarters for NICU, right. you know, stuff like yeah. that. And become this lifelong donor. So they go from elementary school giving in kids care. They go to middle school. Yeah. They may do like a walkathon. High school, they do mini marathons, dancing, raising money, getting on our, our team board. College, they sure. go in. They become a dance marathon partner. They become interns. Then they go into adults. They're giving. They're going to our galas. Like they're becoming on our innovative board. They roll over to our board of advocates, and then they become on our board. Right? Yeah. COVID hits, then we start in the state of Oklahoma, you and I both know, Department of yeah. Education and, and the funding to teachers and classrooms is not great. And yeah. what we realized was like talking to charity, people are more interested. Those teachers are more interested in trying to find funding for their classrooms than try to raise money through their kids for a nonprofit. It, and look, I get it. You know, because yeah. because that's really what makes sense. And so we had to really shift dynamic because we thought that could be a moneymaker. And then we simply right. realized, man, we're investing in something that probably is not going to work out. So you had to basically rebuild the rebuild the foundation at that point. Right. Like you're having to rebuild the strategy of attack. Right. The plan yes. of attack. Yes. Because, I mean, we had all this stuff in the strategic plan and we hired these people. 
to do different different programs and stuff. And COVID hit, and we went, man, from like eight million to like three. Unfortunately, it was my first time where, as a, as a young professional, where I was leading people to have to go in and have a conversation with them of, hey, we're having a reduction in force. Unfortunately, right. you're one of those people we're having to let go. Here's your compensation package. We'd love to help find you a placement. And we went from 21 people to 10. How hard was that for you? Because you don't like, I know this a little bit about you. Like, that's a tough thing to do, right? I mean, you, you're, yeah. that's, a, that's an impact in somebody's life. And, and it is terribly hard to try and not only let people go, but like you probably sold them on the dream when they started, right? Yeah, so they were here. They were in there with us for like three years, right? Because we started a five-year right. plan. We were on our fourth fourth year going in. You've built these relationships with these people. And, and, and yeah. look, in a for-profit business, oil and gas, like there's a lot of people. With nonprofit, it's a small, tight-knit family. Like we're, we're in yeah. it for the mission. We're all trying to help each other out. And so a lot of these people I feel like I was close to. I feel like we had a great relationship. And to have to go in and basically tell them during COVID, which was a hard time already, people weren't yeah. hiring, Right. that we're letting you go. You're going to have to go find work elsewhere. By the way, you're going to, you know, once your compensation package ends, your health care is on your own. Some just got married trying to start a family yeah. i mean sure. like it, it was hard it, it was probably you're, one of the it's toughest because moments. you're you're invested in those people you know i mean i think that's where people lose sight of of that and when you run businesses uh, you know as you being the operating officer of that foundation man listen like it all falls on you whether you want it to or not and i think that's that's the part that sucks so I, I did want to touch a little bit on the foundation. You know, you guys, you have built this foundation to a place where you guys are nationally recognized in the top 7%, which I think is awesome of nonprofits because of your transparency of your funding and your low cost of administration. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's really an interesting thing to to be recognized that way in a great way, because I think people want to know where their donations are going. I think transparency is important. You guys are very transparent in that, in that regard that obviously is a big selling feature for your, for your foundation, right? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent, right? So we are nationally recognized by charity navigator and what they do is they uh, rate charities all over the nation and, and worldwide based on transparency of funds, nine uh, nineties programs, how much money is going administration costs, things like that. For many consecutive years, we've been a four-star rating, which is the highest rating you can receive. Uh, top yeah. of 7%, like you said. And and really what that does is it allows us to go tell a story to a donor as well. Like When you give us money, you need to realize how much of that is going to programs, how much of that is going to fundraising um, and administrative costs. Now, as a nonprofit person, I, I do want to say, I believe that nonprofits are now realizing where in the past they really haven't. We've got to pay our people well enough to keep them and keep up with the market and the salaries of different companies because we're going to lose really good talent and they're going to go elsewhere because right now, I mean, everything's crazy. But back in the day, when you talk to a lot of nonprofit executives and, and a lot of people that have been in this, they're like, you realize that executive directors weren't getting paid great. And you're talking about yeah. someone running, you're talking about somebody running a multi-million dollar nonprofit wasn't being paid great. And, and here recently, I think we've seen it. You know, we, we have some nonprofit salary research and different market analysis that we get. And so we can kind of sure. see we're staying up with the trends. Yeah. But we always uh, reach out to other nonprofits to see, you know, what they're doing, all things like that. But for yeah. a donor going in and saying, hey, you know, your $50,000 that you're going to donate today is going to be used. 100% of our money stays here locally. Uh, we don't send anything national, uh, you know, so it, it really is providing an impact. Right. We started 40 years ago. When we first started, we raised $80,000 a year. Since then, we've raised $155 million. We have over $36, $2 million plus endowed shares. So 
that money is always there. Um, it's endowed. So all the, all of our endowed shares, they just get money off the principal or not off the principal, but the interest. And we're making a huge impact. Our goal is that we can recruit specialists to the state in order for kids to receive care here and not have to go elsewhere. Let's touch on that for a second, because like what I was when I was doing a lot of research on what, you know, on, on the foundation, you guys have funded pediatric cancer and diabetes research labs, and you guys are, are you know, contributing two and a half million dollars a year for pediatric research and education and clinical care and cancer research for, you know, I mean, man, bro, that's so awesome. You know, like if you think about that on a on a macro level, right, not even micro level, but like from top down, you're like, man, two and a half million dollars is a tremendous amount of money. How awesome of a feeling it is to know that your team and, and what you're doing is really changing and impacting the world. I mean, that's pretty cool stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, so a lot of people don't know this. I actually named my son after one of the kids I met through this work. And yeah. Whenever I was in college, through my experience with Cowboython, which is a, a fundraiser that I started through the nonprofit, I met a, a kid named Jace. He was from Enid, Oklahoma, and he had a thing called galactosemia, which basically means that he didn't have the ability to break down his mom's breast milk. And essentially, when his mom was feeding him, when the doctors finally came to the result, they called her and said, stop feeding your son, you're killing him. Right. Can you imagine? Like, I get teary-eyed, right? Because I, I, my wife, we had kids. I saw her go through postpartum. But can you imagine giving birth? And I can't because, I mean, I, I'm a man. But giving birth <laughs> as a woman. Right. You are supposed to be nurturing your child, bonding with your child, breastfeeding. And the doctor call you and say you're killing your child? Right. Because of this. DNA or rare genetic disorder where he can't break down breast milk. And it took you two and a half weeks to figure that out. You're, you could have killed your child, the guilt and everything right. like that. But man, sure. I, I, I became close with them. They were OSU fans and they came to our event and I came close with them. And, and, and so I ended up naming Jace after that child. And so for me, yes, I get to see the impact a lot. Uh, we have a miracle family. We have a, Grateful Family, Miracle Children, you know, program where we're able to interact with these kids and these families and they're able to bond together and we, we run special events for them and they get to come for free and everything. It's very imp impactful. And look, Mike, you got twin daughters. Yeah. We know what that was like. Like it, it, it ain't, it's still not great. I'm just going to be honest. It's 16. <laughs> but, like, let's just but, call it what it is. Were they born premature? They were. Yeah. I mean, you know, my, my, I was very, Carrie and I were very blessed. You know, our girls, uh, we found out at 25 weeks that we were having twins. Carrie went into preterm labor at 29 weeks, hospitalized. And then at, uh, they were born at 33 weeks, spent a month in the NICU. We became very, very close with the, uh, the staff at, at Mercy's, you know, uh, NICU. And, uh, back then, um, you know, in 2006, they, you could only go in every four hours for 30 minutes. Right. And so this is like 12, four, eight, 12, four, eight, you know, midnight basically kind of thing. And so we, you know, we had twins. So yeah. it's like, we had to split those visits and, you know, it, it, it was, it was scary, man. You know, like I, I think people grossly underestimate that you know i mean it, it's we kind of joke around about it now because you know my daughters are you know 16 years old and 510 and going a thousand miles an hour and they're great they're healthy and and it's it, it's it's a huge blessing but you know i mean they were three seven and four four when they were pounds when they were born and then you know like i always joke around with one of my daughters because she blew out a diaper in the incubator and went from three seven to two twelve you know and and so like uh, you know i mean like really you really yeah. think about that i mean yeah. you're you're 20 inches long and you weigh two pounds like that's a problem so yeah and, Carrie and, and i had a fast track education on everything that that you had to worry about they were allergic to 
you know, they couldn't drink formula. Carrie couldn't keep up with, like you said, the breastfeeding side of things. So then it was like, my formula budget was not cheap. And, you know, and then they needed soy formula because they couldn't do this. And and so like, yeah, man, it's a, uh, it is not something that I talk about a lot, but I will tell you, we, we had a tremendous amount of people praying for us in that season because we didn't know, man, like we, we were, we were touch and go for some things on, uh, for a yeah. while. Yeah. Now, can you imagine learning that you're going to have twins that are being in a NICU that need the NICU? And yeah. them telling you, oh, by the way, because of them being premature or whatnot, we don't have the level of care that you need. So we're going to yeah. have to pick up. You're going to have to go out of state, leave your whole support yeah. system, your whole family. Sure. And basically, good luck. And this isn't a, this like that story happens so often. Right. And, and if it's not NQ and newborns, like my goal is for a child. And our goal as a foundation is like, if a child is diagnosed with cancer, there's no reason that child should have to go out of state. That child yeah. is pediatric heart surgery or heart transplant. Our goal is for that child not to have to leave the state because it is heartbreaking to see a family and a child have to leave the state, leave their support system, go pay financially, get hotels. You're talking about hospital yeah. bills. You're talking about most families, they have working jobs where they can't leave. So they, they have to quit their job. Right that needs to end and that's yeah. our goal right that's our goal is like people want to make good in our community and people want to do well and they're, and they're tired of hearing these stories like this is how you can help right get involved give back and have the same mission like yeah we all know somebody and, and i've told you through our connections and everything like that i have a family and i'm not going to put it out there i'm not i don't want to put their name out there but you go yeah. to church with them it was through your Facebook post that you shared and, and then another uh, person I went to high school with shared that I was able, I never knew this family, never even reached yeah. out to them, never knew them. Hey, we're great friends now. We play golf together and stuff like yeah. that. But like they said that their daughter, they found out news that their daughter was going to have to have heart surgery and they couldn't get in for three months. And I reached out and I said, I'm going to make a call. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot an email and I'm going to see what we can do. Yeah. Thankfully, because of our efforts, because of Brandon Whedon um, and his foundation, and I help him host his golf tournament. It's called uh, Brandon Whedon Swing from the Heart Foundation yeah. and, and Golf Challenge. He helped us recruit Dr. Burkhart, who is a pediatric uh, cardiac thoracic surgeon. And we got them to see Dr. Burkhart within like two weeks. I think it was like a week. Right. He met with them. He told them it was going to be okay. She's going to make it. She's in great yeah. hands. And I remember them going in for that first operation and them texting me. I texted him, you know, said everything's going to be okay and all that. But now she's alive. She's doing great. Yeah. She's kicking it. She's running around. And we've become great friends through that because I don't, I did not know them. But what sure. I knew is that. I could help impact their family because yeah. of, of generous donors through Oklahoma, uh, through the Brandon Whedon Foundation and his golf tournament, that we had a surgeon that could care for their kid here. Yeah. Three years ago, it, it, before he got here, they would have had to gone Dallas. They would have had to gone to St. Louis. They would have had gone somewhere yeah. else to get that treatment. But because of generous donors here in Oklahoma, we were able to provide that care here. They were here with their church. They were here with their family. They were here with their friends yeah. to be able to support them. And that's and, all we want to do. That's all. And I can tell you, you know, the impact that it had on that family. I mean, it, it saved their family. It saved her life. It was it was pretty serious. I, I mean, I don't want to underestimate the, the severity of where that was at. I mean, there was prayers going around, you know, our church for a long time. And, and you know, I think that's the power of social media. You know, I mean, that that you, you know, connect on that. And, and I think, you know, the purpose of the show, somebody's going to go, hey, why are you why are you on here talking about nonprofits? Well, because it's important to me. That's what I care about. This is my show. I can do what I want. 
not only because you and I have a relationship, but I mean, I want to change the world, you know, through networking and, 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 you know, through relationships. And I think, you know, relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Like if, if we're not talking about it, why aren't we talking about it? So anyway, not that I'll, I mean, I'll jump off my soapbox right quick, but. <laughs> but, but like nonprofits also operate like a business. I mean, we're, we are a business. So I yeah. mean, it's like anything else and we have to have entrepreneur thinking to, sure. to be able to really expand and go to the next level. So look, you can talk about nonprofits all you want. We're business yeah. too. <laughs> so. Sure. Well, and I think, you know, what's crazy and, and not that I want to circle back, but you know, I, I mean, I had good insurance when my daughters were born. Mercy, I don't know what your name drop because I ain't trying to get in trouble, sent me a <laughs> FedEx box. Sent me a FedEx box. And I'm not even lying to you with my statement because it wouldn't come regular mail, right? Yep. It's not coming in a, in a priority mail envelope. It came in a FedEx box yep. and it was probably three inches thick. And at the end of it, it was $800,000. Man, a lot of people have to go bankrupt. Literally. And, and so... You know, what's crazy is I, we had insurance, you know, and we were very blessed, right? Sure. We still put out a lot of money. Thankfully we were good, but you know, I mean, it's, uh, things you don't realize, you know, because insurance, I'm not, like I said, I don't want to jump into this too deep, but you know, what you don't realize is, you know, there was 15 people in, in the delivery room when they were doing a C-section on my daughters. What you don't realize is four of those doctors are from out of state. Right. So you, they're not Oklahoma doctors. They're Colorado doctors and California doctors that are here doing whatever. And you're getting an out of state bill from Blue Cross Blue Shield. That's out of work. Right. You know, things that people don't think about, you know, Carrie and I, I mean, we look back on it and it was a tremendously stretched season for us. And, you know, trying to operate a business, like I said, I mean, we're every four hours, we're gone for an hour. And that's around the clock. So our sleep schedules are off. And, you know, I mean, nothing else matters at that point. So, I mean, you know, like I didn't care about business at that point. It's like, you know, I can do anything. I'm good. So anyway, man, yeah, I, listen, I'm, I'm so proud of you on everything you're doing with the foundation. I think it's awesome. So, you know, I want to touch on a couple more things before I let you get out of here. I mean, I know you're suiting tied up. You're about to go do some some awards. I see you. I mean, you're you're killing it. Every episode, I usually ask the guests about their take on the return on investment of failure. You know, how has failing impacted you personally, professionally? You know, I, I, what does that look like? Oh, man, this is this one. This one hits home, right? So I've seen failure in different ways. I don't want to say we failed with our business launch uh, and what we did. Sure. I think we were successful until like basically we just didn't have any more like we just we just couldn't do it anymore right but in that moment i think we failed in different areas like we failed we were kind of like i don't want to say we were man like look it was all in on business and i think we neglected areas of our life where we needed to be present like we just needed to be present like there you know there yep. were trials and tribulations in different areas of my life during that time where i was like during that time, maybe if, you know, I, I wasn't being the best of myself, uh, I wasn't taking care of myself, I was not sleeping well. And so for me, like there were failures of different aspects in our life during that time that taught me a lot. Like I need to take care of myself. I need to be invested in my family and I need to realize how much my wife was doing whenever I was like, I didn't notice, right? Like she was taking care of things that I didn't really, like I wasn't thankful for. I didn't really uh, say I was thankful for things like that. And so, and look, I was young, <laughs> I, I yeah. was. And so it was a learning experience because I was learning one, what a marriage looked like. i never saw that either. Like, you know, I came yeah. from a, a broken family, single mom, four siblings. She raised us all herself. And so like, I saw failure through that, like my dad was never there. So I never knew what that looked like. Like for me, like personally, I'm still trying to learn how to be a dad. Like, yeah, I've had six years and Jace is great, but like there's moments where I'm like, okay, I probably shouldn't have done that. Or like, yeah. how, do I, how do I do yeah. this? It's really interesting because I don't look at it as so much like we failed. And there's moments in work where like, 
you know, I failed with a donor. Like, let's be honest. We have an intentional relationship. We talk about this donor experience. We talk about the roadmap, things like that. And I remember having a donor that had just given and gave yearly. And we always did a thank you or whatnot. And I remember it may have been a couple of years ago. We, I think we failed to do a thank you note. Yeah. We haven't received a, a donation since. Reach back yeah. out. It was like cold shoulder, right? Right. And what I what I realized was like that donor expected to have a relationship. Not not just hey, I'm going to give you my money, I'm going to get a tax deduction, yeah. and we're going to call right. this good. Like these donors want to have a relationship with the cause that they're giving to. Right. And so for me, like that taught me a lot of how do we steward donors? How do we meet them where they are? Not necessarily where we want them. Right. And I think that's where a lot of like nonprofits, uh, executive fundraisers, business people, things like that. We, we failed to look at that, that, that relationship. It's like, it needs to be symbiotic, not just one where it's like, give me, give me, give me, give me. Right. Where can we meet the people at? Right. Like as a church, even as a church, like, let's go meet the people. Don't try to just get them to us. Let's meet them. Yeah, we good. are we are the church. Like, we need to go meet them where they are, not where we want them to be. And as yeah, a donor, so as a donor stewardship person, as someone that's dealing with donors, it's like, if you like to go play golf, let's go golf. Because that's where you feel comfortable. And, and that's how you build relationships. Then I'm going to meet you and go play golf. If you like to try the best new food, like, let's go meet at a new restaurant. If you want in the comfort of your home, I'm going to come visit you in your home. If yeah, you I want, think that's good, it, man. You know, like it, it's time. And, and I, so I kind of learned like how to build these relationships through that moment of failing. And it's really catapulted us into the next level of me being able to do like major gift fundraising and the relationships. Like I have one donor and you'll see me post about him all the time. And I am going to give him a shout out and I don't care because he's a great person served in the military and his name's Thurman Lynch. He owns an Allstate agent agency down in Moore. Okay. Thurman, we met during a time where he had just started his business, and I wanted him to come on as a local partner. I was like, yo, you're going to give us so much money. <laughs> and yeah, he was on. like, to be honest with you, I can't, right? Like, I can't right now. Um, I'm not in the capacity. I just bought a book. Like, I, you know, I'm starting a business. But let's do something. So we came up with this campaign create creatively, and we talk about this, like, entrepreneurial way to get people involved to donate and, and how to think outside yeah. the box. It's like, dude, let's do a thing called quotes for cures. And every time that someone comes to you and you give them a quote, donate $20 back. So he did a hundred quotes. He gave $2,000 the first year and he did it the next year. And then I was like, Thurman, I want, I want, you know, you play golf. I want to get you involved in Brandon's tournament. And so he came out, he, he donated, he did the closest to the spin sponsorship. We went out to golf. We, we built this great relationship, this bond. Yeah. And he's donated ever since. Now he's a board member that just came onto our board, but he's a mentor to me. Like he, he, man, the way it's so interesting how we built this, like we text all the time. We talk about things outside of the foundation and that's great, but not every donor wants that type of relationship. Sure, it can, it can build that way. Like I, I have a lot of donors that I'm on a texting relationship with, or I talk to maybe weekly. But it's all about finding that that comfort zone for that donor, and realizing the impact that you have to show them. Like it really, like his wife, he was giving, but whenever I asked his wife to come to a gala and she heard the personal story, she was like, right. "How much? How much we got in our wallet in our bank right now?" <laughs> you know. Right. And, yeah. And, and so that's really, man, it, that felt that point, that moment of losing that donor taught me a lot. And then the moment of like self-reflect after us doing the business and looking yeah. at what I was, what I was neglecting in life at that time taught me a lot. I think it's good, man. I think, you know, there's so many teachable moments in these lessons. I never look at things as failing, you know, I mean, so when I say the return on investment of failure, it's more the lessons, right? And, and I think, you know, what's, it's so important for people to understand, like, 
you know, investing in relationships, like you said, you're not, you're not chasing down business, you're investing in, in people. And I think that that's the, that's a huge lesson for people to learn, you know, like if you can invest without expectation, right. You know, I mean, it's such an important thing. I think expectations, you know, usually lead to disappointment. It, it just in my experience or, or people I know's experience. And so I really think it's so important for people to get something out of this message of, of what you just said, because if you're investing for the right reasons, right. And I'm talking about into relationships, it, it, it's not always about an end result. It's not always about, you know, dollars and cents. It's usually just about building that relationship, helping people where they are, meeting them where they are, like you said, and, and trying to figure out ways to add value to them. Right. And, and usually when value, you know, if you're adding the right amount of value and you're looking for something in return, usually that kind of plays itself out in my experience, you know, dealing with thousands of people. And, and that's kind of how my experiences have been. So a couple of things, man, let's talk about key pieces of business advice that you've kind of learned along the way. Maybe you learned it from me. Maybe you learned it from someone else, whatever that is that, that you utilize in your business every day. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So like I talked about, my biggest thing is that I really learned was that customer consumer stewardship, customer relationship. I remember you make, you made me buy this book called the go giver. And we were talking about like the go giver mentality. And then like one that I thought was very interesting is you made me read uh, Gary V too, which look, Gary V can kind of be a break, can be abrasive, but the mindset that he puts you in and like, trying to take what he says and look at it as like, for me as in, in a, in a nonprofit fundraising manner, it was very interesting on how to take those key takeaways and really get after it. Like for me, you know, at, at church, the, the church I go to, we talk about like doing every, everything short of sin to make, to make impact someone's life or to bring them to Christ. Right. Like for me in fundraising, I want to do everything that is, that is legal ethical and short of sin to raise money to make a difference on our community. And, uh, and so for, for me to get out of this, like this mentality of like, quit thinking small, quit caring about what other people think and how you're doing things. Like, just go for it. Like, forget what other people think, like, just go for it. Market it the way you want to market it, build relationships, how you want to build relationships. You don't have to follow someone else's roadmap on how to be successful. Like build your own success. Yeah. That's good, man. You know, I, and I will say, you know, I, I love Gary Vaynerchuk for a, a few <laughs> reasons. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, mostly because he focuses on self-awareness is, is a big thing for him. Adding value is a big thing for him. Also knowing when to walk away from professional relationships is something that he's key on you know i mean you add value till you can't and and then be be self-aware enough to know and 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 i've learned a lot from him i mean he he's done well for himself and he's obviously doing well now but i've kind of been following him since you know 2010 you know and and so a lot of lessons that i've taken on in business have been based on what his advice has been you know and and i think so so it's hard when people see him and he's abrasive, like you said, or he's wilding out or he's standing in front of 10,000 people cussing and doing his thing. That's maybe not the same rhetoric that you and I approach business with, but right. that doesn't necessarily right. mean that his way doesn't work. You know, so so, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely some lessons in there. Hey, listen, I'm I'm crazy thankful for you. You know this. I tell you this. We've talked about this. You know, where can people you know, find you online and, and learn more about, you know, the Children's Health Foundation. Yeah, you can go to our website. It's really easy. It's just chfkids.com. Um, you'll learn all about us, uh, all of our mission. Everything's on there. Like I said, our transparency, man, our 990, our financial statements, all of our yeah. board minutes, everything's on there. Like you want to learn about Good. us, just visit the website. If you want to reach out to me personally, uh, my information's on there. I'd love to get to know you guys, um, see how I can get you involved. If you ever need a, a medical help with, with your child, 
at Children's or at anywhere else, you know, feel free to reach out. If I can't do something personally, you know, we, we know people that can. And like I said, find me on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on social media. But the most important place would be our website. And it, like I said, it's really easy. And get to know us, man. And if you like to want to give or something sure. like that, give us a shout and, and we'll connect you. With so them. I'll have. I'll have links to the foundation in the bio and, and all of Jeremiah's contact information on, on the podcast bio and, and on the website and stuff like that. So, bro, thank you so much, man, for coming on today. I'm s- such a fan of, of yours, always praying for you personally, professionally, for you and your family, you know, and, and I'm grateful for you taking the time for sure. Well, I appreciate it. And I hope that you are able to use this podcast like we talked about, give some personal real life experience, help people build their business, their brand. Um, and just get to know you a little bit more because now you do have a platform. People do want to hear from you. And yeah. uh, I appreciate you allowing me to share my experiences with you and where it's led me, led me today. Awesome, man. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you, bro. Thank you all for checking out the journey of business today. We will see you next week with another incredible guest sharing their journey in business. To continue your journey of business, subscribe to the show wherever you find podcasts or at YouTube. And for more information on consulting inquiries, go to www.tradelinksales.com.